Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hour 2 here, 106.7 The Fan, Team 980 Odyssey app. Toby Altizer with you up until 3 o'clock. Before I turn it over to the DOC, Rick Doc Walker. So let's talk about the NFL as a whole. We'll take a look at some of the games of the week. Want to get into some college football. We'll do that coming up at 1.30. Then in the 2 o'clock hour, we'll get into the keys to the game for the Commanders and give some predictions as well. Let's talk about the NFL as a whole. So Monday night was a crushing night. That was just a wild game to watch all around. To see Aaron Rodgers and all the hype, it was really cool, 9-11, and the stadium's all lit up, and he's, he's running out of the tunnel with the American flag. Almost gives you goosebumps, those sorts of moments. And then that didn't last long. Only four plays for Aaron Rodgers, and it was done. And it was crazy to see just how quickly it all changed. But they still came out and won that football game. For Aaron Rodgers, he was on the Pat McAfee show. He was talking about maybe coming back and playing this year. That's not happening. He basically said the Kevin Garnett thing, saying anything is possible. No, it's not. You're not coming back and playing this year. It's. I, I get what you want to do here. Maybe give some hope to Jets fans. Chris, he's not playing this year. I'm just saying, are you sure the Jets won that game or did Josh Allen lose that game? Well, and that's what we're going to get to. Josh Allen, he's so fun to watch. And hopefully he's still throwing interceptions when he comes into FedEx Field next week. Hopefully that's the case. I'm going to be at that game. I'm excited about it. But Josh Allen just drives me nuts the way he plays quarterback at times because it's just... I, I saw various people talk about it different ways. Dominique Foxworth was on with Mina Kimes and posted a clip basically saying that, look, man, I know you're Superman, but if the task is just helping a lady across the street or getting a cat out of a tree, I don't need any casualties. <laughs> just do your job. Don't, don't make it more difficult than it needs to be. I thought that was a great analogy, and I thought Dan Orlovsky said it well. I believe he was on with Kay Adams on FanDuel TV and said, you just got to grow up. And be more mature. This idea of just, oh, I'm rolling out to the left. I don't see anyone. Stefan's down there somewhere in double coverage. Let me see how far I can throw it. Stop doing that. Stop always just deciding, oh, I'm going to throw a bomb here. And then, on top of that, can you just be smart for once when you're on the run and not try to jump over a guy? The funny one was when he tried to like jump over a guy. But the other one that drove me nuts was he runs out, he picks up the first down. It was like third and five. He's seven yards down the field. He picks up the first down. He could have just easily taken a step out of bounds. He's near the sideline. Instead, 
He just lunges back into a crowd of three guys. Josh, dude, just play smart. And it, I, I get that that's part of the thing, and I'll never understand when, being that kind of an athlete because it is true. If you have the ability to do that, it's like in basketball, if you're LeBron or you're Michael Jordan or you're Kobe Bryant, if you have the ability every single time down the floor to just drive into the lane and dunk it, it's kind of hard to be disciplined and do some other stuff, right? Get the other guys involved and find other ways. You know, it's like Giannis. Could he just drive down the middle every single time? Maybe he's going to get a charge, but he could just drive down the middle of the lane every single time, bowl guys over and dunk it. He could do that. That was Shaquille O'Neal's career. Yeah. But sometimes you have to be a little more disciplined than that, right? Sometimes you have to be like, if you have the ability, it's not always going to work. For Josh Allen, he has the ability to run around back there for 10 seconds and throw the ball down the field. No doubt about it. And we don't doubt that ability. He's got the legs. He's got the arm. He's got the accuracy. Like He's got everything you want in a quarterback. But sometimes you just got to be a little bit smarter. This is something we saw with Patrick Mahomes a couple of years ago. When teams started doing the too high safety look, and I don't know if you had a chance to look at this piece in ESPN this week by, I believe it was Brooke Pryor, talking about how the deep ball is kind of losing its effectiveness because of how teams are playing. And basically it was talking about the fact that teams now play too high looks all the time, and it doesn't matter what situation. Listen to a podcast with some of the guys from NFL Network. They're talking about how it's second and one. Usually that's a time to take a shot if you want to. You pick up nine on first down. You can probably pick it up on third down, so you take a shot. But the two safeties are still back there deep. So what do you do? You just hand the ball off up the middle, pick up the first down, because that's how you neutralize you know, two high safety looks. But you saw this with the Eagles on Monday, or Thursday night football against the Vikings. They just kept getting gashed and gashed and gashed and gashed on the ground, and the Vikings didn't do a whole lot to stop it. I think the run game might start becoming more effective in the National Football League. It's a very cyclical league. Teams will copy each other. But this idea where they're just putting two safeties back there, go ahead, try and throw it deep. It's not going to work. You saw this with Patrick Mahomes back to our conversation with Josh Allen. You saw this with Pat Mahomes when they started to do this the last year that Tyreek Hill was there. Pat Mahomes would get all kinds of flustered back there. He's like, what do I do? I just want to air it out. And eventually he just started taking the check down. Eventually started getting into it. I mean, you got to remember this. A couple of years ago, we were talking about this Kansas City Chiefs offense, and we're like, what the heck is wrong with it? Why can't they get things going? And this is why. Because the Kansas City Chiefs offense before was predicated on pushing the ball down the field, getting the ball to Tyreek Hill, deep down the sideline, and just finding ways to exploit the deep ball and finding ways to get the safeties out of position so they could throw another bomb. Well, team said, enough with that. We're going to make you be patient with the football. We're going to make you show a little bit of discipline and just take your time and dink and dunk down the field. And eventually Patrick Mahomes bought into it, and that's when the Chiefs really started to take off again in the second half of that year, and you saw it last year. They didn't have Tyreek Hill, and they were still effective. Why? Because teams are sitting two safeties back there, and they just find ways to get Travis Kelsey the ball time and time and time and time again, and they just move the ball slowly down the field. So it's just a totally different game than what we saw a couple of years ago, and that's something that Josh Allen has to do. Patrick Mahomes made that adjustment. I think Joe Burrows had to make some of an adjustment. He can no longer just throw the bombs to Jamar Chase every other play. He has to check the ball down. He has to look underneath to the tight end or find T. Higgins in that intermediate range 
he can't just bomb it to Jamar Chase. And that's something that I think some of these other quarterbacks have done a good job of adjusting to, and I don't know if Josh has. Josh is the guy that still wants to run around and see how long he can hold the ball and bomb it down there to Gabe Davis or Stephon Diggs. And that's not the way the NFL's played anymore. And I think this is something where when you look at this football team for the Bills, they have a lot of talent. And I love the fact that they drafted a tight end. I was advocating for them to draft Pat Fryermuth the year prior because I think that they need to be able to run the ball a little bit more. Sometimes they ask Josh Allen to be Superman a little bit too much. Sometimes they expect him to put everything on his shoulders a little bit too much because he can, but this is why they come up short in January and February because they don't have a real run game. You still have to be able to run the football in the National Football League. I know it sounds crazy <laughs> in the in the, le- in the years of analytics, the time of analytics where people are advocating to run the ball less and less, but you have to be able to still run the football. And it can't just be with Josh Allen on quarterback runs. It needs to be James Cook. And I think James Cook is going to be a good running back this year. At least I hope so because he's on some of my fantasy teams. But I think he's going to be a good running back this year. But that's something that Josh Allen I don't think has made the adjustment to where sometimes it's just simple hand the ball off, dink and dunk. And this is why NFL defenses are like this. I know this is kind of deep and philosophical, but this is how the philosophy of modern NFL defenses work. This is why some people get frustrated, including myself, the way that at times the commanders play. Because in my mind, when you've got more talent on your defense than the other team has on offense, you should dictate the terms. You should dictate what the offense can and can't do. But the way that teams play nowadays is they sit back in that zone. They don't want to get get beat deep. And what they end up doing is they say, I bet you can't do a 10-play drive without some sort of hiccup. I bet you can't drive the ball 10 plays, 75 yards, nice and slow, running the ball, dink and dunk. I bet at some point you get a penalty, you throw an incompletion, you get a tackle for loss. One of those things is going to happen, and all of a sudden, you're behind the chains, and we either hold you to three or we force you to punt. And that's the way modern defenses are played. I don't love it. I don't love it. I wish that there were a way that you could get back to the way that the Ravens would play the defense back with Ray Lewis and Ed Reed, where they'd come up to the line of scrimmage. You had no idea who was coming. They're blitzing guys. They're bringing pressure. They're getting after the quarterback. I wish it would go back to some of that stuff, but that's the way that the NFL's played nowadays. And Josh Allen hasn't adjusted to it. Josh Allen hasn't made the change that has happened over the last couple of years. And hopefully he can, because I think he's got so much talent. I love watching him play. But at some point, he has to stop playing hero ball. Another thing I wanted to talk about, too, is I thought it was probably the game of the week for week one. That was the Dolphins against the Chargers. And the Dolphins just looked phenomenal on offense. And one thing that I'm interested to see tomorrow for the Commanders that I think was really cool to see with the Dolphins on last Sunday was I thought the Dolphins did a fantastic job with some innovative, creative, nice new ideas. And I didn't feel like we see a whole lot of that. I didn't feel like we see, saw a whole lot of that for Eric Bieniemy and the Commanders last week. I think there were some things that they ran during training camp that would have been under that category, but I don't feel like they did that in week one. I want to see more of that this Sunday for the Commanders. But something that I think that the Dolphins did a really good job of, and I think Mike McDaniel is such a good head coach and such a great offensive mind. 
And what he was doing was he was using Tyreek Hill and motion all over the football field, but not your typical motion. So you think of a typical motion like this, where you know, Tyreek Hill lines up on the left side of the formation, he runs across the formation, he runs it from the right. You know, just a basic motion. What they were doing is they were lining Tyreek Hill up as essentially a wingback or a tight end, and then motioning him out on the same side he was on. So imagine lining up as the right tight end, right next to the right tackle, and he sprints out to the right, and then he gets a head start on a go route or a comeback or an in, and that's just not fair. If Tyreek Hill is getting a head start, almost like they do in the Canadian Football League, where you get the guy that starts like 10 yards behind the line of scrimmage and just sprints towards the line of scrimmage and they snap it, that's just not fair. Tyreek Hill getting a head start is ridiculous. The question is, like, are the Dolphins really that good to beat up on the Chargers? Now, some of that is the Chargers doing Charger things. Nine seconds left in the half, and you allow them to get the ball and get a pass interference call to put it in field goal range ends up being the difference in the football game. Come on. (laughs) Chargers doing Charger things. But I think the Dolphins could be a legitimate threat in the AFC this year. Tua is so good at the way that they run that system. It's about him staying healthy. Tua doesn't necessarily have the cannon of an arm like a Patrick Mahomes or a Josh Allen, but he has fantastic anticipation. And he understands this idea where he can't throw the deep ball just all the time. So he just finds a way to get the ball into Tyree Kill, Jalen Waddle's hands, and lets them do the work. That's something I'd like to see this commander's offense do a little bit. Find ways to get Jahan Dotson the ball underneath and let him create. You don't have to get all of the yardage on pass plays through the air. You can find ways to get the ball underneath and let the guy do some work after the catch. That's something that they did a really good job of in Kansas City. I'm interested to see as this season goes on how they do that with Terry McLaurin and Jahan Dotson and Curtis Samuel, maybe even Antonio Gibson or some of the tight ends. But I think there's some ways that you can get these guys involved, that they can catch the ball and go after the catch. That's something the Dolphins did a great job of on Sunday, and they've really, since Mike McDaniel took over last year, they've done a great job of it. Again, I think when you look at a team that fits their scheme, the roster fits the scheme, the scheme fits the coach, the quarterback fits the scheme, the coach knows what's going on. I don't know if there's a better marriage of those things than what the Miami Dolphins have going on right now with Mike McDaniel, Tua, Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddell. I think the only thing missing there is... They need to be a little bit better on defense, but I think they need an elite running back. I think if they could have traded for Jonathan Taylor, that could have put them over the top. Although, in the modern landscape, do you really want to trade what you have to to get a guy like a running back like a Jonathan Taylor? I don't know. I don't know. It's an interesting discussion. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, I want to talk about the games of the week coming up for week two around the NFL. We'll get into some college football talk towards the end of this hour. And then at 2 o'clock, we'll get back into the commanders, keys to the game, players to watch. And all that stuff coming up next here on Overtime 106.7 The Fan. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, 
celebrity interviews, or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back. 106.7 The Fan, Team 980, Odyssey app. Toby Altizer with you up until 3 o'clock. Turn it over to the DOC, Rick Doc Walker, after that. So I want to take a look at some of the games of the week around the NFL coming up on, well, tomorrow. Tomorrow or Monday. So first, I want to talk about the Ravens and the Bengals. This is an interesting game because, one, you want to see if the Ravens are going to be legit or not. I think they will be, but they didn't look great last week. They didn't look very good last week against the Texans. You got C.J. Stroud making his first career start. They made it tough on him, but Lamar didn't look like the same guy. But a lot of the NFL looked a little bit funky at quarterback. I, I had a stat where I think in week one, I guess if you're going to include Aaron Rodgers in this bit, you could say that 14 starting quarterbacks threw for fewer than 200 yards in week one. Like, that is bad. That is not good quarterback play at all. Lamar Jackson was one of those guys. And then on the other side, the Bengals, they're 0-1. I, pre- I predicted them to win the Super Bowl. I predicted them to be a team that's once again going to compete in the AFC. They started 0-1 in a terrible performance against the Cleveland Browns where I don't think Joe Burrow got to 100 yards. That's atrocious. I think they said that was the worst game of his career. So Yeah, not even close. Like It, it wasn't something that he'll probably never match that again. It was just terrible football. And I don't T. Higgins had eight targets, zero catches. Like They got nothing going against the Browns. So if you're the Bengals, you can't be starting 0-2. You can't be starting 0-2. Now, you know, they'll probably still make the playoffs even if they did. But... We talked about the AFC before. If you start 0-2, that would mean the Ravens would start 2-0. We'll see about the Browns and the Steelers. We'll talk about them coming up here in just a second. The Browns can start 2-0. You're already two games back starting the season. You might not win your division, and it's a tough AFC. There's going to be some teams that are very good that are going to get left out. And if you're the Bengals and you start 0-2, that's a little bit concerning. We'll see about that. That's one of the games to watch this week. The Chiefs and the Jaguars, that's going to be an interesting one to watch. Because the Jags start 1-0, the Chiefs start 0-1. Same thing with the Chiefs. You can't be starting 0-2. And the Chiefs had the Jags number last year. Will they be able to do it again? How does Patrick Mahomes and that offense bounce back? You got Travis Kelsey back. Andy Reid said he's supposed to play. Chris Jones is supposed to play. And I thought the Chiefs played fine against the, the Lions on last Thursday. But it's been a little bit. Now you get the guys back. Do they just look like the same old Chiefs again? Do they get back on track? I think they will. But Chiefs-Jags, that's something to watch. Jags looking to improve to 2-0. and Here's one that's interesting in the NFC. Seahawks and Lions. Lions obviously started 1-0. Seahawks 0-1, another team that people were excited about. I don't think that people expected them to win the NFC West, but they expected them to be 
a wild card team because the 49ers probably win the West and then the Seahawks probably get in like they did last year. But Geno, I think he only threw for 112 yards, didn't look like the same guy. And the Lions look like a very good team, a team that I know I wasn't big on them and I'm still not that big on them. But they looked impressive against the Chiefs in that first game. So we'll see if they can continue their winning ways. But again, you're the Seahawks. You cannot be starting 0-2. It doesn't the records are not good for teams to start 0-2 to get into the postseason. So I gotta ask you, Toby, if Kansas City has a has another game with, with Kelsey back, let's say, and they still lose, let's say, you know, they still are competitive but lose, do you think then you're starting to see a impact of not having Bienemy run the offense there? No, I don't think there's a Bienemy thing there. I don't think that I mean they probably miss him in some ways, but they still got Andy Reid. I think what they're starting to miss is their receivers are terrible. You know, Mahomes can overcome a lot of things, but one thing that no one talked about this offseason that I think might make an impact, Juju Smith-Schuster played for the Kansas City Chiefs last year. A lot of people forget that because he wasn't like a huge impact player, but you could depend on Juju. Who can you depend on in that wide receiver core right now? Sky Moore? No. Kadarius Toney? Heck no. <laughs> that guy couldn't catch anything. So the Chiefs, well, it's why they need Kelsey so bad, too, 100%. I think. So. They need Kelsey because he's their one reliable receiver. A couple more here before we hit a break and get in some college football talk. The Niners and the Rams, I think that one's going to be intriguing to watch. The Rams 1-0. Are they legit? Are they a team that might actually be good? I mean, they won a Super Bowl just a couple of years ago. We kind of all wrote them off going into the season. But could they still be decent? I don't know. That's something we'll have to watch. They're going up against the 49ers. It's a very good football team. Last one here. Browns and Steelers on Monday night. Browns looked good in their first game. Deshaun was up and down. He was good as a runner, not great as a passer. The Steelers, they looked pretty bad against the Niners. And I think some people thought the Steelers could be a decent team this year. Can they bounce back? Niners are real good, though. So I mean, the Niners are probably a top-five team in football. So it's it's something where the Steelers, though... They have to come out and play well. This is a division game. The Browns aren't going to lay lay down and give this game because I think the Browns are a solid football team this year. they got a good defense. They're out to prove it this year. Yeah, so it's going to be definitely something to watch. All right, we're going to take a break from the NFL. want to get into some college football talk. Deion Sanders and Jay Norvell getting into it. We'll talk about all that next here on 106.7 The Fan, the Team 980, and the Odyssey app. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. College football slate is not great. And to be honest, the game of the day is probably going to be an absolute blowout. It has nothing to do with what's going on on the field. 
That's Colorado and Colorado State. And I don't know why you would be such a fool if you're Jay Norvell, the head coach at Colorado State, and come out and just add more fuel to the fire. As if there was any more need, college game day, big noon kickoff, all the big shows are out in Boulder, Colorado, for Dion's team. Why would you come out and say something to just add extra fuel to everything that's already going on? And so, I don't know if you've seen this. If they if pull off the upset, though, after all this, come on. They're not going to. They're probably not zero, now. But. Zero percent chance. <laughs> zero percent chance. So, Jane Orvell was on some radio show, I think. I'm not sure exactly. He said, quote, when I talk to grown-ups, I take off my hat and my glasses off. Obviously taking a shot at Dion. <laughs> Why? Why would you try to do anything to this football program right now? If you could just be quiet, that's the best motivation. That's your best chance to beat Colorado going into this game. Just shut up and give them no extra motivation. Don't do anything. Because you know Dion, and you know what those guys are going to do. You could say the most noble thing that means absolutely nothing. And that's what Jay Norvell says he was trying to do was to teach his guys a lesson. I don't know. But don't add fuel to the fire. Just don't say anything. That was your best chance. Now you got out here saying stuff and Dion's at practice firing these guys up. Just saw this video during the break of him, Dion Sanders, being on Big Noon Kickoff today. And Mark Ingram asked him, what's that handshake going to be like at the end of the game? And Dion takes off his cowboy hat and his sunglasses and stares right in the camera and sticks his hand out. It's just like, fine, I'll take my sunglasses and hat off. But why in the world would you add fuel to the fire? I just don't understand it. And look, Dion's a guy that has done so much for Colorado, and this team might be legit. We're going to get to see that over the next couple of weeks because Colorado is going to be taking on Oregon, Colorado is going to be taking on USC. So we're going to get a real chance to see if this team is legit or not in the next couple of weeks. But, man, if I'm Colorado State and I'm rolling in there tonight, I'm scared for what's coming. The spread was already huge. The spread's already, let's see if we look. Spread's 23 and a half. They might beat them by 40 plus. And Dion might have taken it easy, but not anymore. I mean, not anymore. Yeah, I, f- I feel you don't stop scoring. Like you're not, you're not going to do the oh we've we've already gotten forty points up on them. We'll just lay off the break. Like no, I don't think that's going to happen no, this game. Just keep going. And I guess he was giving out sunglasses in a team meeting. It's just one of those things. There's some guys you just don't mess with, especially at certain times. Maybe a couple years down the road, if he's still at Colorado and different things are happening and. Maybe they've lost some football games. Maybe you can pull some of this stuff. And his first year at Colorado, when all of college football is focused on Colorado, let's be honest, which games has everyone watched so far in college football? You've watched the Texas-Bama game and everything else. But you know what drew better ratings? Colorado-Nebraska was a better rated game than Texas and Alabama. Why? Because everyone is focused on what's going on in Boulder, Colorado right now with Deion Sanders. Now's not the time to poke the bear. Now's the time to shut up and show up and play your football game, and then leave. That's not even poking the bear. That's like kicking a hornet's nest. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Don't do something stupid like that to Deion Sanders 
and his football team right now because they're rolling. And that's the other thing, too, about this. People are amazed at this turnaround for Colorado, and rightfully so. It's really cool. This isn't Colorado from last year. 80 new players. 80 new players. That'd be like coming in, taking over as a new GM for the Washington Commanders, and changing out 50 of the 53-man roster. You just change out everyone. So when people are like, oh, man, Colorado's turnaround. This ain't Colorado. (laughs) It reminds me of those, like, one-and-done NCAA uh, men's basketball teams like Kentucky. It's totally different. They've overhauled literally the entire roster. But it's been so cool to watch. It's been very fun to watch. Another thing I want to talk about, Nick Saban was on with the, I believe it was the Crimson Tide Sports Network down there in Tuscaloosa. Just hilarious. It's so funny. This season is very intriguing, but I want to hear you. I want you to hear this clip from Nick Saban. Coach, how are you, sir? Well, Pee Wee, I've been wanting to talk to you all week, man. I mean, we got to firm up the pocket. <laughs> We're setting too soft. We're getting pushed back in the middle. All right, everybody thinks we can't hold up against the blitz, but they're sacking us with four-man rush, one three-man rush. Only one sack came off of a pressure, so I wanted to ask you what the hell's going on. <laughs> <laughs> well, I believe you covered it all right there, Coach. <laughs> That's hilarious. I love the fact that he goes on the radio. He knows this guy Pee Wee's coming on to give him some hard questions. Nick's like, dude, how do we fix this? <laughs> and, you know, this is why I think this college football season, maybe more so than the last couple of years, is very interesting. Because if you look at Alabama, you look at Georgia, you look at Ohio State, These teams all have quarterbacks that either you've never heard of or aren't very good. You know, you think back to the old days of Alabama when Nick Saban was winning championships all the time and the SEC was maybe more of a defensive league. Think about watching them back in the day, Mark Ingram, back in the day. That makes me sound really young because I am really young, by the way. That was back in my day. For some of you, that wasn't that long ago. For me, that was back in the day. (laughs) But... uh, you think about watching them with Greg McElroy and A.J. McCarron at quarterback, and it was like, all right, this team is really good if their quarterback can just hold on. And that's what Alabama feels like this year, doesn't it? They've got ve- lots of good players. They've got the talent. But it's like, can their quarterback just not hold them back? That's how it used to be in the SEC where they're winning 17-14 dogfights against Auburn and all those teams. And that was fun to watch back in the day. And this year, it feels like that's the kind of Alabama team you're watching. The, the team that, when Nick Saban was first getting there, he was first winning all those national championships, where he was getting it done with the run game and final ways. Now the SEC has totally changed, because they went from having Jalen Hurts, who was solid, but he's probably the last one that they've had where it was like, uh, you know, he might hold them back because he wasn't a great passer at Alabama. And then they went to Tua, and they just light up the scoreboard. They went to Mac Jones, light up the scoreboard. Bryce Young, light up the scoreboard. I didn't think last year's Alabama team was all that good, but Bryce Young still elevated them. But that's why this season's so interesting to me. You got Alabama, and you hear Nick Saban there talking like, what the heck is going on? How do we fix all this stuff? You know, that's kind of the old school, I feel like, where teams weren't overpowered. They're interesting because they don't have a quarterback. They don't understand what's going on. Jalen Milrow started against Texas last week. He's getting benched this week for Tyler Buckner, a transfer. And you look at Ohio State, they've had C.J. Stroud, Justin Fields, Haskins was fantastic in college, and now they're rolling with Kyle McCord, and we don't know what Kyle McCord is. We don't know if he's any good or not. So he's interesting for Ohio State. They're still one of the top teams. 
You think about the two-time defending national champions, Stetson Bennett's finally gone after his age 35 season. <laughs> and they've got Carson Beck. I don't know anything about Carson Beck. And so that's what's interesting about this. The elite, elite teams that we all think of, Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State, the teams that always seem to be in the college football playoff, they got questions at quarterback, which is something that they haven't had. And then you look at other teams. Michigan was in it last year. They got J.J. McCarthy. He might be a first-round pick. You got Florida State. They got Jordan Travis. He's a pretty good quarterback. He's looking pretty good. Texas, Quinn Ewers. He looks solid. Heisman Trophy winner out in California. Caleb Williams, probably number one overall pick. He looks solid. Then you scroll down a little bit. North Carolina's ranked in the top 25. They got Drake May. He's supposed to be a top 10 quarterback. They're ranked number 20. Number 18, here's where it gets interesting. Colorado. Shador Sanders looks like a legit first-round NFL caliber quarterback. Uh, Hello? They might be legit. You got Travis Hunter coming over, a guy that's, look, I think it's really cool that he decided to go to Jackson State with Dion because if it's me, and I know he made a lot of people mad when he went to Jackson State because he ended up leaving Florida State, basically, and committed there. He's like, nah, screw it. I'm going to go be with Dion. If you're Travis Hunter and you're a guy that coming out wasn't necessarily thought of as the two-way player as much, he was definitely thought more corner than receiver. He could play both ways, but right now he's spectacular. But if I'm a guy that plays corner and I want to go somewhere to learn from someone, why would you not go learn from Deion Sanders? Like If you could choose to work with anyone in college football right now, even when he was at Jackson State, and you're like, I can go work with this guy and try to become an elite cornerback, why would you not go with Deion Sanders? Well, it makes you think Deion probably told him, like, I'll, I'll put you on both sides of the ball a lot, you know, and he probably wasn't hearing that at Florida State. And Well, and that's the thing. I mean, Deion has made this guy a star, and he has For become sure. fantastic. Like, what he's doing right now at Colorado is absolutely ridiculous. I mean, let's see how many weeks he can do it, but yeah, it's, so far, it's, it's just one of those things where each week you're like, wow, he's still out there putting how many plays? How many did he run? Yeah. Jeez. And you got to think at some point they'll have to limit that because you definitely want that, assuming Colorado keeps winning. You know, against Oregon, you want to see it. Against USC, you want to see it. Against Colorado State, eh, dial it back a little bit, right? Kind of limit some of those. But it's going to be interesting to see with him. But my point is this. There's some good teams this year, no doubt about it. And the teams that we always think of being in the college football playoff, they're not surefire college football playoff teams because they have questions at quarterback. And the way that the college football game is played now, in the SEC, you used to be able to get by with subpar quarterback play because you only had to put up like 17 points a game. Right? Like, I don't know if you've watched the Swamp Kings documentary about the Florida team with Tim Tebow and Aaron Hernandez and Riley Cooper and Urban Myers, the coach. But they're like talking about these things and how dominant and everything. And the score of the game would be like 17-14 or like, you know, 13-10. You're like, how dominant was your offense if you only put up 13 points? <laughs> I remember that era of Florida, though. <laughs> but, but that's the thing I'm talking about with the SEC back in the day is you didn't have to have elite quarterback play. Just don't screw up and turn the ball over. I'll do, our defense will hold us in it. And please, just two times at any point in the game, take us down and score a touchdown, and we'll, well win. College Tebow is also very different than NFL Tebow. Yeah. You know. Well, that's what I'm just saying. Like that, that era of SEC football is gone. Now all the SEC schools are lighting it up. I mean, we're watching LSU in here, and they're just lighting up the scoreboard. And it's just such a different time in college football. Like the Big 12 and some of these different conferences have always been like this. But when the SEC finally made the change, 
now it's even more quarterback dependent than it was back in the day. Like the quarterback could definitely push you over the top, no doubt about it. Tim Tebow doing his thing with the Heisman. But it felt like back in the day, you could still get by with the A.J. McCarrens, the Greg McElroys of the world. Now, I don't know that Alabama can do it with Buckner and Milrow. I don't know. We'll see with Georgia and Carson Beck. I don't know a whole lot about him. We'll see. Ohio State's got Kyle McCord. I don't know if these teams are going to be able to do it because I don't know what they got at quarterback. It's one of those things where we expect them to be there, but their quarterback might hold them back. I mean, Ohio State's been someone that's been on the precipice for so long, and they've had guys that are in Heisman Trophy conversations. This year, they're not going to have that. So who knows? We'll see. I want to continue talking about college football. I want to talk about the the game last night between Maryland and UVA. The broadcast was atrocious. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about some more college football next. For 106.7 The Fan, the Team 980, the Odyssey app. Welcome back, 106.7 The Fan, Team 980, Odyssey app. Toby Altizer with you up until 3 o'clock. We'll turn it over to the DOC, Rick Doc Walker, talking about college football right now. So I don't know if you watched the Maryland and UVA game last night, Chris. I was semi-watching it while I was watching the Nationals against the Brewers. But apparently the broadcast was struggling. Apparently it was bad. Did you watch it at all? I did not. I did not get a chance. So the reason they were struggling is because they weren't there. They're doing a remote broadcast. Why are we still doing this? Wait, so they didn't even go to the game. They're not in the press box or anything. They're no, just they were not there. They were calling it from a studio. So that's like watching it with your friends and just talking to them. Correct. I was doing play-by-play the same way they were. At home, watching on TV. That's not how it should be done. It is not how it should be done. And that's why it made it so bad. There were plays that were getting messed up. There were calls that you couldn't understand what was going on because... You know, the the camera angle wasn't right. There was a penalty, and they don't understand what's going on. You can't figure out who's catching the ball because the camera angle doesn't show the number effectively. Like, all the things that happen with a remote broadcast, they were going on last night. And that's stuff that shouldn't happen. If it happens with, you know, an American Athletic Conference game, who cares? Last night was between UVA and Maryland. And last time I checked, that's the ACC and the Big Ten. That's still Power 5 schools. And you have a game on a major network, Fox Sports 1, and a game is being called remotely between the ACC and Big Ten? That's unacceptable. And they're cutting corners, it sounds like. Well, and so part of the reason I see today as I'm watching college football here in the studio, the guys that called the game last night are out in Boise calling a game for Boise State. They're on location. Okay, I get that maybe you don't want to travel all these guys around. There are ways around this. There are local guys that maybe you could hire. There are ways around this to get people calling the action live from in the stadium. It's 2023. I get that we have the technology to do it. I get that we have the capabilities. Doesn't mean it should be done. It was Sports were hard to watch at times during the pandemic because they would do these sorts of things. I mean, just think about listening to the baseball broadcast when you were essentially watching the game just like the broadcasters on the radio were or just like the broadcasters on TV were. You lose elements that you need of a person being at the game. There's just so much more to it. And to have them continually do this where it happens time after time, you cannot do that. It's just such a bad product. And I don't like the fact that sports have gotten to the point where some of the things that you can do 
networks. It's like, yeah, we can cut a corner here. Let's do it. And I don't, just because you can still put out an acceptable product does not mean that's what you should be striving for. Acceptable is not what you're striving for. You should still want a good product. And in order to have a good product, when you do a game broadcast, the announcers, the commentators need to be at the stadium. We're going to get chat GPT color commentary soon. And I just don't like that, right? Having guys that aren't there. I mean, they tried that out, Chris, at, I think it was the Masters. If you watched on like some various streams that didn't have the commentators, chat GPT or AI would be like, <laughs> McElroy, drive down the middle of the fairway, 310 yards, 145 left to the hole. Like, come on. There needs to be some respect for the viewer still out there. And the idea that you can save a couple bucks by not sending your broadcasters, not sending a production crew out to the game at Maryland yesterday. And it's not even, it'd be one thing too, if it were some remote game like Idaho or they're playing Montana and it's like, okay, maybe I can understand. It's Maryland. Flying to DC, drive over to college park. Not that difficult. Not that hard of a place to get to. And even if it were a UVA, still just down there in Charlottesville, like it'd be one thing if it were somewhere. It's right here. Like it's not anywhere far away. And you couldn't have announcers come call it because this is another thing that I have an issue with. Okay, so you weren't able to have your crew for FS1 there because they're going to the Boise game. I get that. There are local broadcasters in the area that you could say, hey, can we contract you for one game to call the Maryland and Virginia game? There are people that could do it. It makes me wonder if something happened on the back end. Like uh, one of the other announcer teams, somebody couldn't do it because, I don't know, they had a wedding that weekend or just like something. And then whoever was scheduling, who was doing what game, wasn't paying attention and didn't realize, oh, these guys are out that weekend. We need these guys doing Boise, but they also have to do the UVA Maryland now or something. You know, like makes you wonder if something like that was happening. You would hope that that's the case, right? Because just the... The idea of just straight up saying, you know what, we don't feel like spending a buck to send the crew here. And look, I get it. If the idea is we can't send the crew to Maryland to call a game on Friday night and expect them to be calling a game Saturday afternoon in Boise, Idaho, I understand that. They might not have flights from here to Idaho by then. Yeah. You, you know, it's... And I, under- I understand some of those things. So I get that there's logistical things. I understand. But at the same point, the fact that you're prioritizing North Dakota State or whatever it is. Who are they playing right now? I need to look that up. Who are they playing right now? Because if it's just, it's Boise State and some Dakota team. I can't even remember. But you prioritize them over the ACC and the Big Ten. It's North Dakota and Boise State. You're telling me North Dakota and Boise State got priority over UVA and Maryland? UVA and Maryland. Like, I know they're not great powerhouses, but you've at least got more respectable teams than Boise State, North Dakota. This isn't Boise State from 10 years ago. This isn't Boise State when they were running the Statue of Liberty against Oklahoma in the in the bowl game. Boise State now. I don't know. It just feels like they missed the mark with this. It's, it's a little bit disappointing. All right, we're going to take a break from the college football talk. want to get back into the NFL in the final hour. Got plenty to talk about. With the Commanders, you want to hop in, 800-636-1067 on the MGM National Harbor Listener Line. If you got some keys to the game, feel free to call in. What do you think the Commanders need to do to win? Who are some players that we need to watch, and what are your predictions? 
for the Commanders and the Broncos tomorrow afternoon at Mile High Stadium. I'll give you my keys to the game, players to watch, and the predictions next here on The Fan. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 